Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Funnelocity, the B2B podcast that aims to bring you real talk around the different strategies that help you build a high-performance sales and marketing funnel. I'm Enrico, president of Market One, and your host. And for today's episode, we're literally going back to basics. In this case, the basic foundations of a successful B2B marketing strategy. It's very easy to get caught up in the newest frameworks and shiniest technologies as the way to deliver the results we all crave. You know, desperately searching for that killer app. But the fact is that no tool, however complex and clever, will make a difference if you don't have some of the basics covered. To look into these basics in more detail understands exactly how important they are. I'm delighted to welcome Anvi Bui. Anvi is a marketing technology expert known for leading transformative programs at some of the world's largest companies. She has worked on both agency and client side through experience at Harthanks and Cisco. Whether she's designing and executing a digital campaign or speaking at industry events like Dreamforce and Modern X, or guest lecturing at universities, Anvi's mission is to help businesses implement industry-leading CX programs, understand their customer needs, and surpass their growth goals by leveraging data, technology, and the right mix of resources. Welcome, Anvi. Hello. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, so yeah, first, I wanted to thanks for that wonderful intro, Enrico, and uh, thanks to the entire Market One team who put together this podcast. It's an amazing idea, and I wish I came up with it. So yeah. Thank <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. So yeah, let's dig into it, Anvi. So, Let's start by looking at these foundations. You know, what would you say are the key elements of a winning B2B marketing strategy? So I would say in its most basic form, foundationally, I'll break it into three categories, CX, analytics, and technology. And so um, what that means is that for CX, the foundation would be things like customer journey blueprinting, for analytics, it would be data and KPI definition. And for technology, that would be automation mapping or feasibility analysis with IT. And why do you come up with these, these three? You know, why do you feel like these are the most important? And is there, in your mind, an order of priority amongst them? Sure. So I would say that they're critical because um, all of the other sort of accelerated or shiny and fancy programs um, or marketing tactics that you launch are at risk of underperforming or really providing inconclusive results if you don't have these sort of foundational pieces in place to set you up for success. So to me, it's like being so focused on throwing a, a really big fancy party with an ice sculpture that looks really cool that you forget something as basic as ordering food or drinks. All right. And do you want to perhaps take, walk us through a bit more detail about the, 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 these three? I love the, you know, the CX, the analytics, the technology. Let's, 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 let's dig into each one of these three. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I do believe that they're all equally important. Uh, I, I, they're sort of those, you know, the three musketeers, the, um, the inseparables that, that make up that really strong digital marketing strategy at, at any business. Uh, for CX, that's really because designing programs for, for everyone just doesn't work. Um, at least it doesn't work, it doesn't work well. And in today's world of really mandatory personalized marketing that you always hear about, 
businesses, they really should be defining their audiences. They should be drilling down into personas. Um, and that can be translated into customer journey blueprints. Um, and that doing that really will allow you to know who you're trying to target with your programs uh, and how to do so most effectively to deliver the experience that your customer is expecting. So that's the CX part of it. And then for analytics, um, you know, in short, it's because it's going to demystify the work that you're doing and it helps really answer what is working and what is not working. So without an understanding of your data or your analytics strategy, you won't actually know what you're trying to achieve with your campaigns. You're not really able to confirm if they correlated with what you were trying to achieve or hypothesize what happened. And you're not really able to make those business decisions to, to move the needle toward success. And actually, you know, um, you won't even know what success should look like. And then for the technology part of it, really all of the marketing and the sales strategy in the world is not going to help if you don't have the right tools to implement it or the right people to really map those tools to your existing business processes and goals and then to execute it and to make sure that it's actually technically feasible. So that's where those technical teams come in. Um, so just remember that automation platforms, they're, they're there to help companies simplify and to work smarter, not harder. I love that. Absolutely. And, and maybe a question, let's, let's go back to the top to the very first one, the CX side of it. And, you know, you did mention mapping customer journey blueprints, you know, at market one, we call this customer journey segmentation. Uh, and it's absolutely, you know, fundamental foundational to any, any planning exercise we do. Um, but how would you approach that? You know, how would you kind of demystify this aspect of it? I would definitely start with what you currently have. I would try to, to piece out your strategy in a way where it's more palatable. And by that, I mean, you know, the saying of trying, don't boil the entire ocean. And so for me, it's really, what data do you currently have on your existing customers? Um, and then trying to identify a target that you can start working with. So if you have journey managers or product owners or somebody who understands a product or um, your customer in a way that can um, that can be a great starting point. So having an interview with them uh, and starting to create these personas of who your target um, audience is for, for each specific product, that's a great way for you to start blueprinting. So that means actually starting to, to identify characteristics of what that persona is, their pain points and really what they're trying to solve for when they come to your company, um, what your product does for them, uh, really even just identifying characteristics of who they are, right? Like uh, what they do for a living. So once you kind of have that, you can start to um, attach the data that you have. And that's when you can start building your segments. That's when you can start doing something like creating a CX journey map all the way through their buying cycle or their, through their life cycle from um, initial education, where does this persona go to find their information? Uh, what do, what are they looking at when it's time for them to purchase? So at that point of purchase, um, you know, what, what are their pain points then? What kind of resources can you create around that time to help get them past that sticky point all the way through renewal? So at that point of renewal for that customer and that part of their, their, their cycle of their journey, um, what do they want? What do they need? What are their pain points then? 
And ideally, you have some data to work with to where your, your product managers or again, your, your, your journey managers, they can have something to, to start pulling in or identifying gaps of we have no idea uh, where this customer is at at this point, And you know you need to go do data homework. So whether that's bringing in third party data um, or doing additional research or consumer research or market research, that's where you need to fill in that gap. But ultimately, the outcome of that would be that sort of um, customer journey blueprint. It's interesting you, the, the number of times you mentioned data specifically, <laughs> you know, in this um, in this first uh, in this first basic step. Because I I agree, it's ultimately it's, it is fundamental, and I'm su I'm surprised that data itself is in its its own step, if you will, and broken out. You kind of you started talking about a, a, um, under analytics, right? To be able to start measuring um, uh, and knowing, you know, am, am, I, am I moving the right, am I moving the needle in the right areas? So maybe we can talk a little bit more about data because I'd, I'd be curious to know what, you know, not everyone's gonna have massive budgets to go out and do mass, you know, big purchases of data. And, but what do you think, what's the, you know, where, do, where does someone start or what is, what, how does someone really get on the road, uh, a strong kind of, um, yeah, roadmap for, for building out those customer profiles uh, and over, you know, what maybe perhaps you can, you can speak to that a little bit. I would, you know, I think that the sort of resounding note throughout this, um, throughout our call today is just always going to be in terms of keeping things basic and, and the foundational route that you can take. So even with with data, which to your point is a, a very large topic and, you know, everybody's just buzzing all around it. I always go back to basics on that in regards to what data do you currently have? And even from, you know, uh, having the data to help um, with educated decisions around building that CX journey blueprint for the, for the data aspect of it, I think what data do you currently have to influence whatever sort of strategy or campaign you're trying to do? So in order to come at it in a really foundational basic way i say what do you currently have what what is your sort of existing data environment look like and identify just a handful of of data points so maybe about five that you want to really focus in on and that that's where you again you can go through that exercise of um field completeness you can run a field completeness report and say you know 80% of our database is missing company. How will we ever do account-based marketing, right? So even being able to identify that helps you get a little bit closer to say, oh man, we really wanted to do um, targeted account you know, type marketing at the end of FY21. We can't do that because we don't have that data. So you know part of your data plan throughout the year will be to get company data, to enrich that information, whether it's um, creating forms or uh, you know, updating your existing forms to make that required field or to again, go out and use a third party product to actually enrich your existing database. I would say focus on, you know, roughly five or, or just a, a palatable number of data points that tie to the goals that you have as a company. Um, and then focus on enriching that, focus on uh, how much data do I have? Is it usable? And then um, I think that that's how you can, from a foundational standpoint, look at data strategy versus thinking, I need large volumes of data. I need a million contacts in my database. 
for me, I don't see that as a volume game unless that's part of your core competency as some kind of data enrichment company. But, you know, for the most part, if you're not that, that level of a company, you don't need that. You really don't. Yeah. So gosh, so many, so many thoughts just came into my mind. And, and, you know, when we sit down with clients and start talking about the, you know, their journey maps, uh, customer journey maps and, and the kind of marketing they want to do, ideally want to do and segmenting, you know, there's always a, there's always a kind of uh, there's a, there's a hope and desire and vision to be, to be able to really carve up the database and all these different uh, into all these different buckets to be some really targeted uh, targeted marketing uh, to make obviously to to push up the relevance, but then when you get to the data, you realize that you don't have any of those or you're you're missing so many fields, right. and so you really must have dumb you have to initially dumb it down, uh, and so we end up having this kind of you know crawl walk run, as you you know and and a flight path at which you try to over time build up that customer profile and and build up that um, you know those gaps as you say in the database right. so that you can become more. Uh, more targeted and you can build out those customer journey uh, maps, you know, in more, you know, in greater, in greater detail. Um, so now we've got, we've got the, we've got the blueprints, we've got, you know, the data that we have and we want to, we, now we want to go in and, and uh, put some campaigns into market. Now from a metric, from a kind of metrics tracking KPI measurement perspective, uh, there, you know, obviously so much thing, so many things we can, we can measure, you know, activity, right. um, you know, re pipeline revenue. So where would you, what do you think are the fundamentals in, um, from an analytics perspective of what are the kind of KPIs that everybody should absolutely can and should measure, frankly, from, from, from the get-go? Sure. So I always feel like this answer is, um, it's a, it's a little bit of a loaded question in the sense where I, I think that, you know, others are expecting this like secret sauce and all these numbers and they just start running, right? Like they're, they're past crawl. They're not running. They're, they're sprinting and they, and they want to know like, what are we measuring? How do we do this? And in reality, I always like to, again, bring people back to that sort of foundational of understanding where their business is trying to go and where they're trying to grow. So even within the marketing organization, are you trying to tie it to revenue? You know, are you actually trying to do some level of closed loop reporting where you need to be able to say, you know, this campaign led to this opportunity closing, whatever that is. And that's where you're going to have to make sure your systems are aligned and your sales team is aligned and your marketing team is aligned to have that entire workflow built out from a business side and from the system side to be able to give you the KPI of, um, you know, we, we know because we've increased revenues by X percent. For me, I think that foundationally, I always say, again, where's your, your company trying to go? But for each of those campaigns that you define, what is the customer's CTA? What is their call to action? Because that's really what you should be measuring against. Um, and then and that allows you to also know from a campaign performance perspective, if it was a, it was actually effective, if it actually worked. So if your CTA for that campaign, your call to action for that customer was to actually increase usage of their product. Let's say that you are 
um, a company where your where your customers are logging in, um, you need them to take certain actions. Their call to action within that campaign that you run could actually be we need them to log in for the first time. That is how we know that our product is successful. Um, they took this action within the product itself. Maybe they they ran a report, which is an indicator of success for us. Our product managers told us, according to the blueprint, that when they run their first report, um, you know, there's an 80 percent chance increase that down the line they will renew their contract whatever that is right so you have a basis of something to tie to that's your kpi is did that occur which allows you to also tie to other things like let's say that you actually do have that renewal campaign or that renewal initiative your kpi for that actually is renewals right that actually does tie to that sort of tangible touchable number of um, we did these actions with this customer multi-touch throughout their life cycle, and that led to them renewing. So that decreased our attrition at our company by X percent. And those are the numbers that you can get to, as opposed to things like, like you, you did you hear me not say a thousand click-throughs or, uh, you know, a million right. opens exactly. or whatever that is, like possibly, right? Like if you activity. do work in demand activity gen, yeah, if you, activity, if, the, if you work in demand gen and you need to increase awareness or engagement in that way, then that's your KPI, right? But there is no, to me, blanket statement of here are the things you latch on to. I think everybody wants to go towards that sexy revenue and I increase this or just high volumes of click-throughs or engagement or activity. When in reality, I think that it's so individualistic, the, the goal of what you're trying to get to for those campaigns that you tie those those CTAs or those those behaviors that you're trying to get that customer to do. That's your indicator of success, because that's what you were trying to get that customer to do. And at the end of it, you can say my campaign was, quote unquote, successful or it correlated positively to this behavior that we were trying to drive them to do the cause and effect was, was, right. was evident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and I, and going back to, I guess the, the previous conversation around data, presumably some KPI around marketable database is also a good measurement of Absolutely. how we're doing and, and, you know, the complete, the, the fields, as you mentioned earlier, the completeness of fields and, and that the data health, if you will. Right. Um, so you take that together with engagement and, and then impact to perhaps either, you know, pipeline or revenue, you've got a nice kind of one, two, three um, uh, levels of, you know, of, of KPIs that you can then monitor uh, how you're doing across, you know, across the board. Absolutely. And I think that's a, it's a really good call out because that exercise that you just you know talked through right there is one way of saying that let's say that you are in an organization or at a company where you do need to tie it back to let's say kind of brass tacks and numbers in that way and let's say that it is a, a data um team or a data organization where they don't want to be seen as a as a cost center and, and they want to be able to say you know um that we can actually tie it back to, to value to the company in, in a specific way that's where like you said marketable database if, if, you know, quarter over quarter, year over year, you are getting more targeted in a way, you're saving money by not having to have a million contacts or 10 million contacts in your database, you're really paring it down and not paying for the ones that you're not using and getting really smart with the ones that you currently have. So you're saving money that way. And that's yet another goal. So there, there are ways I think that you can, um, as long as you 
you know, um, start with that approach that this is where I'm trying to get it to. I do think that that's where you can get those sort of um, quantifiable KPIs. Exactly. Awesome. <laughs> well, let, let's move to the third one, the technology. I want to ask a question around this because um, this is where uh, we've, we've all seen, you know, Scott Brinker's landscape and there's yeah. so many technologies out there and and this question is actually goes beyond just marketing technology, but in general, to, do, to, to actually drive demand, what do you think are the basic elements of a good starting tech stack for an organization? You know? Yeah. Uh, first, that was a good shout out. Scott's, Scott's a great guy. I, I <laughs> think he's just seeing that landscape change so dramatically from when he first published it is just oh, jaw dropping. It's jaw dropping. Every crazy. year, the icons get smaller and smaller and smaller and he's, you know, he calls it the super graphic and it's just, I'm not sure how we're going to see it, be able to see it, you know, five years from now without a, some kind of microscope. Well, my hope is that there, there's <laughs> going to start being some consolidation. <laughs> well, there's... you know, that's a, it's a great hope for sure. <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, I, Foundation is so I would say that there's a there's a couple I'm going to break that down into a couple different perspectives. So from just a pure foundational standpoint, I do see most companies that I work with, whether or not, you know, they're SMBs, whether they're enterprise, whatever it is, you're going to have some kind of data environment. So you, you could use Hadoop or Snowflake or, or whatever it is, you've got data in your stack, right? And, and whether or not that's centralized to the work that you're doing, you know, it's, it's central in your marketing technology ecosystem. So again, kind of referencing, you know, the Scott's landscape, kind of the way that they present it, where you have the, the, the stack keys every year, which Cisco has won, you know, multiple times. That's where you typically have data, but you know, where, where you have that is, up to you. But um, so there's that. And then it's what do you do with that? How do you action on that? And that can be things like um, marketing automation. So that's obviously one of the most popular things you're going to hear or, or be familiar with or, or see people needing specialists for is marketing automation, which to me is a, an amazing innovation in the last, you know, decade and beyond was, was the, the rise of that and really being able to add intelligence to what was previously kind of a nebulous field of marketing and just blanketing flyers or whatever it was, or just blasting out emails. So marketing automation platforms and then um, CRM for your, for your sales team. And depending on which platform you're using, so if you're using Salesforce, then there's a lot of other sort of add-ons that you can do to that, right? Like I could say, well, you could do the, the commerce, you, know, you could add commerce cloud to that, or you can add all these other sort of things within that suite, depending on your business's needs. But I would say that trifecta is probably the most common. Um, and I can obviously expound out from this sort of centralized view to say additional data environments that could be external that then come into your on-prem, you know, data environment, whatever that is. But I would say, those three are probably the powerhouses that you might see. Yeah, and I think you probably get no, uh, I, well, I certainly agree with that. It's, it's what we've seen out there as, as kind of the standard um, trifecta, you know, some kind of a, you know, the, 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 the single view of customers always, it was a bit harder to get, but that's what you're trying to go for that data environment, uh, build those segments um, and then, and, you know, activate them through marketing automation and eventually, you know, convert that to pipeline and revenue through, through CRM. Right. So 
that's um, excellent. Well, let's, we've talked a lot about kind of theory, <laughs> kind of what the what's the, you know what are the what's the idea what are, what are some uh, basic uh, fundamental elements of a of a marketing strategy. I'd love to ask you if you could share with perhaps something more practical, um, an example, something that you've that where you know where you got the basics right. Could you uh, think back to something you've done and and, and share with our listeners? Yes, I will think back. <laughs> uh, so I did. I, <laughs> I I did work on a in a marketing technology department. Uh, you know, many many eons ago, where I was asked to create close to three hundred new pieces of content, and so you know, a hundred each for for the the global regions from this company, uh, for the three global regions. And that would include emails and, and web pages and white papers. So, you know, that, that's an example, I think, of, of it getting, a, getting an ask where I, I, you know, the first thing I did was kind of stare off into space and contemplated my life for a bit. How do I get this? How do I get this done? <laughs> right. How do I get this done and why am I being asked this? But, you know... <laughs> So um, yeah, I, I did. Then I got to work. And the idea of that was the first thing I did was to bring them back to basics. So I worked with the original requesters. I worked with the global stakeholders within the regions and the account team to really try to dissect uh, what was that sort of quantifiable goal, right? Just 300. To them, it was this number. And that exercise that I went through really helped me get to what leadership or that team what their, what their topmost goal was. Like, what were they trying to do with that request? And it was because they wanted to create localized content for a new product uh, for their B2B audience. So they wanted to increase regional engagement. We talk about KPI, right? They just, they didn't feel that their globalized product or the, the globalized content that existed was sufficient for each of the regions. It wasn't tailored for that. Makes perfect sense. That goal for me of, of why they did that makes perfect sense. So once I understood that, um, you know, I was able to really spend time up front, so about a week of just pure requirements gathering. So I'm working with these teams again and the regions in region to define what those foundational elements are of, of their, you know, understanding the, the customer that they um, have done research on and really where they think that that content should be tailored. And through that exercise alone, I was able to help them split that, that high level goal, 300 assets, right? into really um, just smaller, more meaningful ones that included those, those foundational things we talked about, CX, data and analytics and technology, right? Like what are those things that they're trying to capture? What do we work toward? And it resulted in us being able to, to create that curated library of content for each of those global regions, but we only had 90 assets. So it was only 30 each, but each of them were dynamic. So it was, it was tailored to the customer's preferences. It would change based on which contact was looking at it. And it was highly personalized, you know, slash localized. It was leveraging explicit and implicit data, um, first party, third party data, and it added additional consumer research. Uh, and then we also created the, the optimization plan for the, for the KPIs that was based on the campaign and the content performance. Um, and it was tied to those KPIs, which would allow them to kind of tailor it, optimize it over time. And then, you know, ultimately, which is great, um, the output were these really intelligent personalized campaigns that were yielding 
higher levels of engagement, which is really meeting the, the top most goal from leadership. So that was an example, I think, of just getting kind of a, a blanket ask and starting to just dissect that and, and, and quote unquote attack it in that foundational way. That's great. And to make it ultimately more manageable. That's what I kept hearing. It's like you actually right. you broke it down into into the into something that was a lot more tangible uh, to deliver against and, and right. less abstract as than this big kind of <laughs> this number. Um, and so we talked, but what about you mentioned um, good engagement rates? How did you just a quick word about data was data? How, how did you find the data in this case? Did they have the right data or did you have to make a pivot there because you found that actually you didn't have the right data so we had to do something slightly different? What was, was there anything, any learnings there? Yeah, I would say that the learnings were, you know, it, it seems obvious, but sometimes the most obvious learnings are ones that you have to go through to get there. And I think that one of the biggest data learnings was the fact that each of the regions um, had their own versions of, you know, uh, subsets of data that we would use. So previously, I, I would say that the team was approaching it in this really globalized way of, you know, here are five data points. And these are the five data points we're going to have on customers that will fuel this campaign. We're going to use it. It'll have company name. It'll have this, this, and this. And then through our data research and through those conversations with the global teams, that's where we, we, we learn or hear things like, in this country, we do not capture this piece of data because it is just something that we don't do and people will not give you. So from a cultural perspective, their field completeness would be 5% or 10% when potentially in, in North America, we might have 80%. So that was great for us to build a campaign for North America um, so as to um, address that uh, that specific, specific data point. But when you start to look at it from other regions perspective, they're going to have extremely low engagement rates. Their engagement rates are going to plummet. And it's not because you know, that, that region itself is underperforming, the product's not selling, that's not the case. It's the fact that we are looking at through the lens of a, a global lens, which does not work. We needed to actually tailor it to say, um, you know what, in, in uh, let's say parts of China, they're completely different data, we, data points. We have five completely different data points and we need to integrate a product that will capture it from WeChat that tells us wallet size, whatever, whatever that is, we just could not approach it in the same way globally. And I think that the engagement um, metrics, which is what was the catalyst for this ask from leadership, right? Um, this region's underperforming, quote, end quote, they're not getting enough engagement. It's because of that. It's because of the data. So that's, that's interesting. You cut, you cut right to that. And that's actually, that was, that was why. Well, and, and it's because we, we find such varying degrees of, of, of data health regionally around the world when we're when we work with the clients uh and it's and it's interesting that you talk about china because china it is you have a whole different way to actually engage you know your customers and prospects i mean wechat is so critical um it's not about email right it's about engaging right. through 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 that app um right. so this that was another question i was gonna ask whether you were just doing this via email but you've just uh you've just answered my question there that's uh that's, yeah that's i really mean interesting yeah it's, you know, I, you know, now that we've kind of brought that into the conversation, we, WeChat was, I think, one of the, the biggest sort of aha moments for us. And I didn't, I didn't really grasp the gravity of it until 
I flew to China with our team there to, you know, get my, my feet on the ground and actually go into the environment, that business environment and try to interact with others or try to engage with companies through their version of advertising without WeChat. And I will tell you right now, it was impossible. I was not able to do it. So, you know, after that, my time there, I, I came back and just said, here are all of my findings and we have to do this because they weren't kidding. <laughs> it's the only way you can't. Yeah, it's the only way to engage. To us. It's totally true. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's all about WeChat. And uh, I mean, yeah. and the good thing is now you can connect it to marketing automation, as you as you were alluding to before, as being one of the key critical pieces of technology. So you can right. still work within a central uh, kind of governance model around technology, but but the, the way you get the message out is going to has to be through through WeChat right. for that for that particular country, obviously. Um, well, let's maybe let's. So we've talked about something that was well. In the end, it doesn't sound like it was too basic, but for for, for, for but pretty straightforward. Let's say taking some content and engaging uh, some audiences globally. Let's maybe take a look at something that you've done where you perhaps you have used the latest and greatest uh, and shiny objects uh, out there, tools and technologies. Uh, would you have an example to share with us on 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 kind of on that front? Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm thinking through which one is uh, <clears throat> that I can kind of talk through and, and break it down into that lens. Um, I think a really just high level description of it would be that I, I did work on an omni-channel initiative. And I think everybody right now is, you know, marketers and, and anyone in this space knows the, the period of time in which everybody had their office doors kicked in and their, and their managers say, we have to go omni-channel. We have to do this. What are we doing today? So it's, it was really big, I think, at that time too. And this was a time period that it occurred um, where the goal really was to use the latest and greatest and the shiniest technologies that, that were out there. And, and the purpose of that, the goal of that was to determine which specific channel was most successful for increasing engagement rates for customers. So they wanted to see in terms of just pure preference, which one was um, the highest performing channel. So, um, you know, for them, that would allow them to make campaign allocation decisions in the future. You know, like, let's say that WeChat wasn't working, then that's where you would say, okay, we're not going to fund that for next year, whatever it is. So the initiative itself did include finding, buying, onboarding, and launching that sort of massive omni-channel campaign where each of the, the actual channel audiences, the ones that were defined for each of the channels, they were determined by data science models. So this is when I was working in the data, you know, with an, in the data science organization to where they wanted to centralize all the data science work that they were doing um, so as to, you know, uh, test it and have avenues to test it um, so in terms of strategy, we would always have some kind of a data model or, or, or um, data strategy fueling our decisions there. So um, yeah, that was a huge, huge feat and it definitely had a larger budget. So yeah, that's the other end of the spectrum. I can imagine. And so as soon as you start going into kind of data models and, and um, whether it's AI or machine learning, uh, you know, triggering, I guess, trying to identify next, next not just the audience, but ne next best action for that audience, which is obviously omni-channel. Can you maybe just speak to what, what were the channels and what tech, what tools did you use to deliver those, those, um, 
I guess those touches, if you will, sure. through, through those different channels. So, you know, th this too was uh, a couple eons ago, but from my recollection, I know for a fact we had WeChat was one of them. We had, um, you know, <laughs> people, I don't know who out there is going to kind of chuckle at this. We also had direct mail. So we had, uh, you know, an actual channel to send out direct pieces of mail. But I just want to add that it's because these were, you know, very loyal customers. So we were wanting to send them loyalty kind of swag products. So we, we did. We had um, PFL, um, Print for Less. And so they do that. They send out materials. Uh, and so that was a channel. We have obviously email. That was a big one too. But the email wasn't just this sort of static item. It was, again, data science kind of fueled content. Um, they use things like, um, I don't know if it's a wordsmith, it's just this product where, you know, it kind of aligns the content that was inside of the email itself uh, for the customer. We had text message. So we used Twilio for that to actually potentially reach out and, and send a text uh, to customers. FYI does not work in most parts of, of the Asian countries we were targeting because they're not, they don't answer text. That's just not um, a channel that they use. They, they don't appreciate being texted on their phones, which is what we learned. Uh, so, so things like that. And then, you know, I won't even get into the sort of privacy and actual legal ramifications of texting someone in a, a country without their explicit permission and double opt-in. And then, um, I'm trying, oh, and then, you know, I, I mentioned WeChat already and then uh, display advertising. We did that and we wanted to send out some uh, personalized display ads with names in the, the actual display ad itself, uh, which I was kind of against actually. I thought that was too much, a little creepy. <laughs> so we had a lot of different channels. We were trying to activate it. Some we were currently using already. They were kind of warmed up in that way. And then some were just really experimental and just this sort of net new channel of let's just see how this goes. Let's just see whether they like to get swag in the mail and be okay with the fact that, you know, we just started sending them products. So, you know, definitely a lot of different. Wow. So Anvi, just, li just yeah. listening to you rattle this off, it must, <laughs> I'm just thinking from a budget perspective, my goodness, it must've been a big budget that you, uh, that you'd have, you'd, you'd that'd be required for that kind of omni-channel program. It was definitely budgeted for in that sense of knowing that this was coming up and recognizing that it would require um, a lot of sort of planning in that way. And then I will say that we, we were very mindful of, of budget. So even though we did obviously have it allocated so that we could, we could go at it this way, it wasn't a sort of situation where we went on just bought things willy nilly. We had conversations with these vendors for actually quite a while before it, we were um, to that point of, of getting to an agreement. And it was where we actually created um, like almost like a pilot in that way, where we were testing out this product. We were very clear in the sense where we were using it for um, a limited amount of time or this sort of confined time. Uh, and it would be part of that initiative. So it wasn't like we signed these three year long contracts. If, if that was a, a contingency, we wouldn't have gone with that vendor. Or we wouldn't have proceeded with that channel. It would just be too cost prohibitive for us to proceed. So we went at it in that really kind of planned way um, and then again, we try to leverage existing technologies. So as an example, um, without having to bring anything that new, we, we kind of scoured and went on a roadshow to see who else in the company potentially already had a license and they could just provision one to us and we would either cross fund it or, or it wouldn't cost them anything. Uh, and then potentially also, you know, um, outside of seeing who else is using it, 
uh, again, trying to, to create a really sort of limited capacity way to use this product rather than going out and just signing contracts that were, that were new. So in that sense, we did have the budgets too, but even with that, we were very uh, mindful of, of the purse strings. And so, you know, I do want to add that going through all of that, you don't always have to have that, that larger budget. You, you know, that's not always um, necessary. It really, again, depends on where that company is looking to grow, where they're looking to invest. And honestly, what kind of work they're, they're willing to either kind of outsource or deprioritize. So, you know, if a company wants to send an email to notify as many qualified B2B customers as possible that their contract is getting ready to expire, um, like I said, maybe their, their KPI goal part of it is to decrease contract renewal attrition by X percent or something. Um, they really can design that sort of streamlined, simple campaign that leverages existing data that they have. So, um, or they can capture at low cost or low effort like interviewing their sales team and just really repurposing it um, or refreshing existing content. Uh, it does not always require that sort of massive omni-channel initiative with all new assets and all new resources and, and platforms. So, um, you know, kind of mentioning what I did before, you could also sort of redirect um, or reallocate your existing budget. So you could keep essential functions in-house, like you could use product management or marketing strategy and keep that in-house. And you could also sort of outsource specific function to those with specific expertise. So, you know, you could work with a trusted vendor, like market one, you know, little plug. Um, so specializing in building those specialized or standardized assets or campaigns that are industry best practice, which do tend to be inherently more efficient and cost-effective for the business. We did that. So we actually piggybacked on a contract that the WeChat, um, the, the China team had uh, with a vendor that they, they use for WeChat. So I'm not onboarding and learning the product. I'm going directly to an agency that is in China that knows how to use it. And they were able to kind of crank out a campaign in a few days. So that, that's an example of doing that and, and really trying to use your money wisely with what you have. Um, so, you know, I would say given all of that, it does require companies to, to really avoid biting off more than they can chew or moving too fast. So doing that would increase your risk of finding yourself in technical debt and really having to kind of answer for that later. Uh, you really want to be mindful about project tracking, being budget conscious about using your existing technologies in really the smartest, leanest way. So do not spend that million dollars on, on a customer data platform if you don't have the additional budget to regularly monitor or cleanse or use that data. Don't ask for hundreds of pieces of content if you don't have a plan to also kind of maintain and refresh them as you need to. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, you need to have a leadership team that sets or, or pivots realistic, achievable milestones. So you can and really only go so lean with operations and staffing before other parts of the business or, or your team suffers or, you know, they start staring off into space contemplating their life, so. I guess regardless of how ambitious or not someone might be, you still really have to keep those three foundational elements we talked about in place, right? Absolutely, always. And, you know, when it, com when it comes to digital marketing in some, some areas, I would say this is when you can definitely wear your sort of 
I am basic badge with honor. <laughs> uh, you know, otherwise you do, you end up with that sort of shiny product or the, the laundry list of outcomes that are not tied to business values and they might fail at the technical feasibility test. So that's when your, you know, IT team or your technical teams come back and say, this is not possible to implement given the conditions of, of the product or the limitations of the product. Um, or you might just completely miss the mark set forth by leadership. And that is going to put your program or your team at risk of losing budget or, or leadership support. Well, Anvi, you've covered quite a lot of ground here. It's super, super interesting. Um, and I guess as before we wrap up, any, any, any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah. Well, I would, you know, kind of coming off of my, my previous answer, one of my biggest tips is to really find a counterpart as a, as a marketer or as a business person to find a counterpart in your IT or your technical implementation organization, even if it's a, it's a vendor, either way, just have somebody that you can bounce your ideas off of on a regular basis. And I feel like, you know, um, for the most part, those IT teams or technical teams are the ones that help keep you grounded from promising stakeholders, the sort of shiny toys, you know, um, or, you know, the, the ice sculpture for your party, like they'll, they'll stop you before you order it. So, um, you know, and at the same time, like the product owners who need to experiment or introduce new semi-disruptive ideas, they can help the IT teams or technical teams to really expand their view of, of the art of the possible. So healthy tension is good sometimes. I think that, you know, just embrace that and, and look for that, seek it out. Um, but my biggest takeaway from today, I hope that every company out there feels inspired to start going digital today to not feel overwhelmed or left behind with all the platforms that exist in the marketplace. And especially with all of the new buzzwords and products that trend every quarter, every year. But, you know, ultimately for a company to go digital, it, it does require a level of transformation. It requires commitment and willingness to incorporate technology into business processes and to really have that shared mindset to focus on that foundational work that, that needs to get done and know that everything we talked about today is totally possible. Uh, if you're willing to pause, narrow, narrow your focus and just, just bring it back to basics. And bring it back to basic, absolutely right. And what a year to do that. I mean, if we think about the, con the global context we're in, I think a lot of companies have certainly uh, accelerated their digital transformation initiatives uh, just due to the pandemic. So um, whether they wanted to or not, I think, uh, what you're saying is 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 spot on, and and, and they shouldn't be afraid. You know, I mean, and, and thanks for you, the framework that you brought to us today to simplify, you know, the the kind of B two B marketing strategy. And as long as everyone thinks about those three, um, those three basic elements that you shared with us, right? So CX, which provides that foundation that foundation through customer journey mapping, uh, analytics, you know, with a focus on data and, and KPIs to measure. Um, well, to help answer, you know, what's working and what's not working. Uh, and finally, technology, right? Get the right tools in, in order to, to work smarter, but not harder. Uh, and let's not look to boil the ocean and get distracted by those, those shiny techno new technologies. So um, thank you, Anvi, for a really inspiring discussion. Lovely to have you here today. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Enrico. Thanks again to the whole team. I had so much fun today. So yes, thanks very much.
To find out more about Market One and the customer journey framework, and to listen to more episodes of this podcast, please visit marketone.com forward slash funnel lossing.